This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to episode 13 of Reimagine Law. And I'm delighted to be joined today by a colleague, Deepak Malhotra, who I've known for quite a few years as we'll, as we'll go through. Um, Deepak's had a fascinating career in many aspects of the legal sector. I'll let you say a few introductory words, Deepak, and then as you and I have discussed, we're going to focus today, especially on one phase of your career, uh, which I think will be very relevant to our listeners around in-house careers. Let me hand over to you to say a few introductory words first. Morning, Nigel. Morning, everybody. Um, delighted to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about one of my favourite topics, which is the careers of in-house lawyers. Um, and really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, I think being in-house and the role of the in-house lawyer is incredibly varied. And uh, I think we've got lots of very interesting things that we can touch on today. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Deepak. And Deepak, for our listeners, because we're th- talking um, about really important topics here which guide your career path and people are listening who are thinking about their different career paths. What does in-house actually mean? Perhaps we should start there. So what is, what is an in-house lawyer exactly? So Nigel, it's a great question. I, I think the role of being in-house is really all about looking after the legal needs of the organisation that you work for, um, that you're employed by. Um, and it's a very broad range of in-house roles and mandates that that covers. Um, everything from working for large multinationals, uh, which is actually where I've spent the vast majority of my career, through to working for small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs. Uh, as an in-house lawyer, you could work for family companies, listed businesses, private businesses. Uh, you could work for um, exciting uh, companies such as those in the sports sector. Um, you can work for um, the government, mm, yeah, either in central government uh, or with local authorities. And of course, you can work with not-for-profits and charities. So the breadth of organisation uh, that you can work for as an in-house lawyer, whether it be in the UK or overseas, uh, really is uh, extraordinary. And I think that that's a huge advantage that it also carries over the world of uh, private practice. And perhaps we can talk a bit more about that later. You've highlighted this. Such a range of careers. I mean, that's fascinating, as you say, ranging from charities to government to big global businesses to startups, SMEs. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. And so when we think about, you know, as you say, you were in private practice, what were the big differences? I suppose that's, perhaps that's an interesting question for people from a career path point of view. When you moved, you know, you went from private practice to in-house, what was the first thing that struck you? Do you remember? Uh, yes, the proximity um, as yourself as a lawyer with a business. Uh, I, I remember day one of my first in-house role, <laughs> yeah. um, which was, and I first went in-house in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, and by then I had worked for two city law firms. Mm. Mm. And on day one of going in-house, I noticed that I was uh, sitting in and amongst all of the business managers that I was oh, there to advise. Yeah, yeah. And somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder and sat down in the chair next to me and said, I've got a legal problem and I need to get this resolved in the next half an hour. Can you help me? <laughs> and I think it's that proximity with the business that's so different. 
Um, you're sitting there with the business management day in, day out, and there's an expectation on the part of the business management team that you're there to provide them with legal advice across a very broad range of legal topics, almost regardless of whether that's your specialism or not, and that you're in a position where you can advise them spontaneously. So I think that's a key difference with being in private practice. That's really interesting, Deepak. So as you say, fascinating point, first of all, you're literally sitting with your clients, which is a really interesting concept as well, which I guess there's naturally a distance from in private practice. And I think you've touched on a really interesting aspect there, almost your identity of are you an expert or do you need to exhibit and advise on broader topics as well? Yes, absolutely. And and it's important to bear in mind that when you're an in-house lawyer, the role of the in-house counsel varies hugely, as we've already talked about. Um, now, it may well be that you go in, uh, in very much in a general role, uh, which are the roles that I've had. And in that sense, you're there to advise on pretty much anything that comes through the company door. And you would be expected to do so. Now, of course, you're not going to have the answer to everything. And this is where the relationship between being an in-house counsel and those who advise you from law firms is very important. Um, but coming back to the role of the in-house counsel, um, you could also go in and perform a specialist role. Um, and you'll find with the proliferation of the size of in-house legal teams and the roles that they carry out, that specialist lawyers um, have really grown. Um, so, for example, you could be an IP lawyer, you could be an M&A lawyer, you could be a contracts lawyer or litigator. So if there's very much a specialism that you have, uh, you can go and continue to um, carry out that specialist legal area in-house. That's interesting because it takes me to a thought of how we, how we make our career decisions. And was, do you think, was it, was it almost that opportunity on that specialism point? Was it opportunity to say, oh, that's interesting. It's an in-house role in this area, which I enjoy of the law. Or was it a little bit also thinking, oh, I'm interested in that industry sector. So it might have been a financial services business or a um, manufacturing business. Or how, how, did, how did you think about it in terms of industry sector or in terms of specialism? Yes, you're absolutely right, Nigel. It's a combination of various factors um, that really influence the decision to go in-house. Um, in my case, it was a combination of the following. Um, so firstly, I moved into the world of consumer goods. Um, and it's always been a sector that I've been particularly interested in. Um, I really enjoy the fact that you can work with goods that you can pick up, that you can touch, that you can use in your everyday life. So for me, it had that particular resonance. Um, that was the first part of it. But the second part of it was, um, as we've touched on before, the ability to go in and really understand and be close to a business and to the decision makers within that business. That was a key attraction for me. And then the third was the type of role that I was going into. As I mentioned earlier, it was very much a general commercial legal role. Um, which really fitted in with my training and the work that I was doing when I was in private practice. But what I would encourage those who are listening to this um, to really do is to uh, think about those sectors 
that are of interest to them. Um, you mentioned financial services, consumer goods, uh, IT and technology, which of course has been a huge growth area in the past five or 10 years, um, but also to think about the specific type of role that they want to go in and perform. Is it more of a general role or is it more of a specialist role? And if you do go in and carry out that specialist role, what then are your opportunities for career progression? That's an interesting point. I, I always, and you and I have discussed in the past, Deepak, the career planning idea of think think two steps ahead sometimes, as you say, of where might this role take me, which was, which was, you know, which is one thought for us to bear in mind. Just on some of the points you raised there, and I'm just imagining the room with you walking in, sitting amongst your clients. It's it's got me thinking also about almost the skill sets that one needs for for, for that kind of environment, as you say, very different in a way to private practice. And is there a thought there, I suppose, both in terms of yourself, what, what it drove you to develop skills-wise, but also when you've managed perhaps more junior in-house lawyers as well? What did you encourage those to do? Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, the prospect of walking in on day one, being in amongst your clients is actually quite daunting. Um, and so, Nigel, as you point out, it, it, it really works where you bring to the table that combination of technical legal skills, which is almost a given for you to be able to discharge your role, but to be able to blend that with a range of other skills so that as an in-house counsel, you're able to really influence and persuade those internal clients that you've got. So the sort of skills that I'm thinking about are some of those soft skills that we often talk about uh, the ability to communicate, whether it be orally or in writing, um, the ability to make presentations, um, the ability to offer learning and development, but not so much from learning and development for yourself, but learning and development to the business, because a key aspect of the role of the in-house counsel is to be able to educate the business on the changing legal landscape. So those are some of the things that would allow you to really perform your role to a high level of competence. Yeah. And to pick up on the other question that you raised, Nigel, which is um, around those who come into the in-house environment and what does life look like? Um, I think the key thing is to bear in mind that typically the size of the in-house team tends to be smaller than the size of the teams that you'll find in private practice. Um, and so because of this need to work with the business from day one, um, you really have to sharpen that wider skill set and to develop the confidence that you can work with the business and thereby give the business the confidence um, in the quality of advice that you're providing them. I think that's really interesting. I mean, two points really strike me there, Deepak. I've never really thought of the role as almost an, an educator of the business, but I guess that's partly because of the scale you're operating within as well, isn't it? Because you've got to try and advise, sometimes, as you say, it can be a small business, but it could be a very, very large business as well. So I guess there's something there about almost being able to scale your influence and how you advise the business without, because they won't all be able to speak to Deepak every day or Deepak's team. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, and one of the other key skills is around being organized and being able to prioritize. 
Um, and sometimes prioritization is very difficult because you might have an important matter from someone who is relatively more junior within the business. How then do you prioritize that with perhaps a less important matter, but which comes to you from someone who's within the leadership team of the business? So those are some of the sort of contextual challenges that you'll face and being able to organize yourself and prioritize so that you can keep different teams or different business managers happy, I think is going to be you know, a key skill. And that comes back to communication. Um, and in a communication, it, it's so important to, to us in all forms of life. And certainly when you're an in-house lawyer, your communication skills will be tested to, um, to the limit. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. And as you say, you've hinted there at the, that, that another skill we always talk about, Deepak, and you and I have spoken about quite often of almost managing upwards as well. The whole thing of how you manage strategically the network or your stakeholders, both within, you know, and I guess in some of your roles, probably in-house, there were complex series of stakeholders, both within the business but also outside as well, because then you're sitting between also your business uh, departments, but also then I guess you were managing a panel of external firms as well. Yes, that's absolutely right. So we were working with a number of law firms. And I think what's interesting about this, Nigel, is that we were working with law firms uh, both in the UK and indeed right across the world. Um, and that's a very important point, because one of the key aspects of working on a cross-border basis is having the ability to reconcile different working cultures. And even within law firms across different jurisdictions, the firms have a different approach, whether it be in terms of how they write their memos of advice, um, what sort of learning and development and support that they provide, um, and many other issues. And so as the in-house counsel, because you are that conduit between the business and private practice, what you want to try and do is get a harmonized approach in all of those various dealings um, to ensure that there's consistency and to ensure, coming back to one of the things we talked about earlier, to ensure that there's real confidence in the advice being provided um, whether it's being provided by a magic circle law firm in the UK versus a very small law firm in, let's say, um, North Africa, whereas you can imagine the differences, um, there would be lots of differences in approach. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I remember when we were in, when I was inside law firms, we always spoke about this need to deliver outwards to our clients this consistency. But you've raised a very good point there that you're sitting in almost a real hot seat there internally where you're receiving all these different bits of input from your external contacts and then needing to present it to your to your board or whoever it is. And as you say, consistency and building that confidence in your function. Yeah, so it's, it's a daily business, I guess, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think the key thing is um, to focus on what you're there to do as an in-house counsel. And you're there to provide high-quality legal advice. And I think this is the key thing, focused on business outcomes. Um, and those business outcomes are in the context of the business you're working for and the sector you're working in. Because it's those business outcomes 
that are really key to driving that particular business organization forward. And as an in-house counsel, your role is to make sure that you are facilitating those outcomes. Yeah, very good. Uh, and, and I'm conscious, conscious, conscious of time, Deepa. I mean, one thing you and I said we'd, we'd also do is look forward a little bit. And obviously, with the business and market world disruption everyone's been experiencing the last six months, nine months or so, um, how's that? how do you see that impacting the in-house legal world, especially if people are listening to this thinking, Oh, well, given the new ways of working that may come after the pandemic, should I still think of in-house as a career? Is it just as attractive? How, how, do you, how do you see things looking forward, Deepak? I think a couple of points there, Nigel. I think first thing to say is, for those who are interested in going in-house, bear in mind that it's a sector that has grown massively in the last 15 years or so. Um, uh, today, one in four solicitors are now employed in-house. So that gives you a sense of the sheer scale of um, being an in-house counsel in an industry. It is fair to say that in the wake of COVID, that the types of work being done in-house has changed dramatically. So for example, with the slowdown in mergers and acquisitions or commercial property, yes, there is less of that work going on. But at the same time, there's been a huge growth in other areas, for example, HR and employment work, um, dispute resolution has gone up. So you'll continue to find that the type of work being done in-house will ebb and flow. But over a sustained period of time, all of these areas are in growth. And the need for in-house lawyers has never been stronger. And I only see that trend continuing. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think that's that's a key point probably for our listeners is to, is to realise that the opportunities, I always say, Deepak, as, you know, certainly in, in, in private practice, I think the, the opportunities are becoming almost more plural. They're becoming more different types of opportunities. You know, there's technology coming in, so therefore, you know, there's obviously a drive in-house from in-house council teams for efficiency, I guess. Um, so I guess, again, that comes back to your point of skill sets. We, we need to think about very multidisciplinary skill sets, if, especially if we're probably going to go in-house. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the other great aspects um, that is not necessarily apparent to those who are thinking of going in-house is that when you go in-house, you will develop that extraordinary range of skills. And that will lend itself towards then developing your career in other directions. Um, I've worked with a number of in-house lawyers who actually have then moved into business roles because they've really enjoyed the development of some of those non-legal skills. And they've ended up being um, senior business managers, in some cases going on to actually be CEOs. Um, so I think it is fair to say that once you move in-house, it does broaden out the range of opportunities that are open to you both on a legal and non-legal basis. Yeah, that's a really good point, Deepak. I remember you and I did a project a few years ago now where we looked at exactly that point of where can you go, whether it's private practice or in-house. And I remember you telling me, as, as you've just said, that about the range of options and the fact of you know, moving into a bald role or moving into a more perhaps a non-executive director role later in your career. You know, those opportunities are absolutely there for you. And I guess, Deepak, that could be even within the business you're in sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Um, once you've invested in building relationships within the business that you work for, 
and they've got to see what you can do for the business. And this, again, comes back to business outcomes. Um, there's no reason why in-house lawyers should not be considered part of that wider talent pool as and when business opportunities arise. Deepak, it's been fascinating. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've thrown in with a couple of a couple of actions, and I've been um, for our listeners, and, and I've jotted down a jotted down a few here, which I can just go through and feel free to add. Perhaps you know you, you said that in terms of where you might seek a role, you said think about either a sector that's interesting you. Also think about that really interesting point of do you want to be specialist or generalist? So they're almost a the type of role as well. Um, yeah, and, and just perhaps think about think about where it might take you and so they were they were some of the thoughts that struck me Deepak but any any actions from you for listeners thinking about should I explore in-house as a career? Uh, Yes Um, I would say firstly understand where your uh, where your passions and interests are and follow them. Um, I think that's extremely important much more likely that you'll enjoy find it rewarding and satisfying and be successful when you follow those interests. Um, Look for opportunities Um, And those opportunities will come in lots of different shapes and sizes. So, for example, the ability to take on extra learning and development, um, to develop new skills, or to continue to sharpen those technical legal skills, because let's not forget, the primary reason why you're there is to be able to deliver high-quality legal advice. Um, I think the third thing I would say, Nigel, is... um, Try to find opportunities to sample uh, the life of being in-house. Could you, for example, do a secondment? So um, if you are working in private practice, quite often opportunities arise to be seconded to clients. And if you do then take up an in-house career, you might find that there are opportunities to be seconded within the business to one of the business units. So always look for opportunities for a short period of time to be able to see life um, from the other side of the fence. And Deepak, I think that's a, that's a brilliant comment because, as you say, you can think of it as many lawyers often do of, oh, I'll go on to comment again to be a lawyer. But actually, as you say, you could also think when you're in-house, can I go on to comment to not be a lawyer if we express it like that? That's quite an interesting thought. Absolutely. Um, and at the end of the day, all of these experiences help you to, be, to broaden your horizons and to be more well-rounded, such that if you were to spend the rest of your career working your way towards being a head of legal um, and then sitting on the board as a head of legal, which, by the way, is a fantastic career to have, um, it means that you've got that well-rounded set of experiences and ultimately you'll be able to perform your role in a manner that will help the business all the more. You know, I think that's really demystified a number of things and especially set out the opportunity that exists as well. Deepak, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much as ever. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.